Hi, I'm Dr. Sarah Howard, and welcome to the Pure Animal Podcast. On today's episode, we're talking to Dr. Nicole Rue on supporting your pet's health with essential oils. Prior to becoming a veterinarian, Nicole completed a Bachelor of Science from Melbourne University, followed by an honours year in vision sciences. She then got accepted into Sydney University and completed a Bachelor of Veterinary Science with honours in 2008. After a brief stint working in the UK, she returned to small animal practice in Melbourne, working at Monash Vets. Nicole then followed her interest in reproduction and gained her membership with the Australian and New Zealand College of Veterinary Scientists in Animal Reproduction. And along the way, she also developed an interest in complementary therapies, specifically in essential oils. In 2020, she started her own business called Shy Tiger Natural Animal, which provides vet-approved, all-natural, plant-based health support for dogs through a range of serums and sprays. Nicole currently also works at and owns Mont Albert Veterinary Surgery in Victoria and is a member of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. Hello, Nicole, and thank you so much for being an honoured guest on the Pure Animal Podcast. How are you today? I'm really well, thanks, Sarah. Thank you for having me. It's uh, very exciting to be asked to be part of this podcast. I am a big fan. I've been listening to probably almost all of the episodes, so it's wonderful to be um, part of this. very nice. Well, it's very flattering um, and lovely of you to say, and we're very honoured to have you join us and talking about something which we haven't ever talked about on Pure Animal, which is always exciting because we do have some fairly repeated topics which we explore in different ways, but something we're going to be focusing on today is essential oils for pets, which personally I am really interested in and know nothing about. Uh, So I will be absolutely soaking up your every word today. No, (laughs) Um, very good. It's a a really (laughs) fun topic. I I love talking about it. It's it's still quite a controversial topic, I feel, uh, especially in Australia. Like you go to some countries France and Germany and and sort of more of the founding countries of aromatherapy and essential oils and it's not taboo it's very mainstream whereas in Australia it's still um you know and not not a particularly well respected um area of holistic therapies by a lot of people unfortunately yeah. which is a bit sad yeah, I mean, the only um, sort of mention I've come across in more of the mainstream literature would be occasionally the use of vaporised essential oils um, such as lavender for things like anxiety. Um, but certainly yeah. I've not really seen um, and some and some topical uses, I think, for some skin conditions. But, um, yeah, you're right, it's certainly far from mainstream and far from being currently accepted as a common um, alternative therapy here in Australia. So before we get into all of that, I would love to hear a little bit about um, your background and um, what made you want to become a vet and then how you ended up working um, with complementary therapies such as aromatherapy. Yeah, very good. Thank you. So I think I've got a pretty typical childhood really. I grew up in Melbourne, just in suburbia, Uh, went to school in Melbourne. I was one of those kids that at the age of six decided they wanted to be a vet and I grew up thinking everyone knew what they wanted to do in life and it's not until you become an adult and, you know, I think my my husband sort of in some ways, they, they still don't know what they want to do in life. They didn't have that driving passion, but I always knew I wanted to be a vet. Never changed my mind and very oh. grateful that I eventually got there and loved being a vet because yeah. I think sometimes kids grow up wanting to be a vet and do it and then they actually then have real issues when they realise that it's not what they thought yeah. it was going to be. So, um, totally. yeah, always wanted to be a vet. So went to... Um, uni. I didn't quite get the grades in high school to get into vet science. So I did a science degree at Melbourne Uni, uh-huh. um, kept trying to get into vet like half of the science. Sounds like me. <laughs> science class. I still remember yeah. in like the first lecture of our science degree, they uh, in the biology class, they said, put your hand up if you try to get into vet. And there was like 500 people in the lecture theatre <gasps> and I think about 90% put their hand up and everyone's heart no. just sank. Um, oh, so yeah, but you know, that's all the learning and I eventually did an honours uh, on this year as part of my um, science degree and 
ended up applying interstate and got into Sydney University. So right. did that okay. um, and did my science, uh, did my vet degree in Sydney, which I'm really, I guess in hindsight, I'm really grateful and I'm probably uh, a good example of why it's become a postgraduate degree. I think I yeah. was 27 when I graduated from vet and that yeah. felt right to me. I think the responsibility yeah. of being a vet that level is of so maturity. challenging at 22, yep. 23. So I'm really grateful to have, have gone through nine years of university. <laughs> but yeah. I loved uni. Absolutely I'm I exactly the same. I, I literally feel like my story is exactly the same. And yeah, I'm in my 11th year now. <laughs> I'm a bit of an addict there myself. You go. And yeah. so I, when I finished my honours year, so that was, um, yeah, three years of science and then the fourth year, yep. I applied for a PhD scholarship as well. And so I got oh, that, wow. I think, the week before I got offered vet. So I would have gone and done a PhD, um, but I oh. obviously wanted to, wanted to be a vet. So yeah, yeah it all sort Couldn't of works itself no. out, doesn't it? Met my yeah. husband in Sydney, got married while I was studying vet, and then we went to, his family's from England originally, went to England as a new graduate in a yep. ten minute small animal ten minute consultation small yeah. animal practice with different vaccination protocols and you know it was a yeah. that was fun. Um, yeah. and yeah, I only spent five months in practice because we landed in England during the GFC. So it wasn't a great time to do the oh, whole uh, yeah. you know, the whole UK experience thing, but it was still fun. I'm glad we did it. Um yeah. and yeah, then came back to Australia, spent 12 years uh, at a small animal clinic in the southeast suburbs uh, doing reproduction mostly. Interestingly, I fell into okay. that. Yeah, I certainly yeah. didn't go into vet. I went into vet to do ophthalmology more than anything. I spent a bit of time with All Robert right. Stanley in, in Melbourne. He's amazing. Um, and did vision science as, as part of my honours, but then ended up at a repro clinic and just loved it. So loved the technical side of doing transcervical insemination, so where you use endoscoped past catheters into the uterus. And uh, it, it was really interesting, something I'd never learned about all the semen quality and all these things. I'll go off on a complete yeah. tangent here, but um, I no, did my memberships fine. in reproduction. Uh, and I think that would have been, so I was probably about four years out of, three years out of vet school at that point. Um, and then in 2014 is when I had my first human child. Um, and <laughs> I think that's another, you know, talking cliche growing up, there's the next cliche for you. Probably a lot of vets that do get into complementary therapies, I think it's having the children is that tipping point where you start thinking, hang on, what am I putting in and on my child's body? Is that affecting yeah. them? And then that penny drops and you think, well, maybe if I'm worried about what I'm putting in and on in my, my family, my human family, I think I should start thinking about what I'm doing to our patients. And you yeah. just start opening your eyes a bit more. And yeah, so totally. then I started exploring um, just pretty typical natural complementary therapies using calendula T for conjunctivitis. And yeah. uh, I guess just, just that natural curiosity started looking at natural um, or fresh food feeding. So, you know, I started to reduce the amount of processed food. We, we always had a pretty healthy diet, but started to reduce the amount of processed food in our own house, the toxic yeah. chemical cleaners in our own house. So then I thought, um, you know, you have that epiphany one day where you're like, hang on a second, if I took my human child to a doctor or a, a pediatrician and they said to me, pick one cereal, pick yeah. one protein powder, pick one synthetic multivitamin and feed that to your child for the rest of your child's life and no, no, fresh food is not good, just do that, that's the best thing for them. You just wouldn't believe them, would you? It's just a bit so, crazy, yeah. Yeah, it was, um, yeah there, was, so there was that and then... How did I get into the essential oil side of things? I think it was more um, I grew up with allergies and my youngest daughter had eczema and I think it would have been once I started delving into this complementary therapies, I became part of a natural vet practitioner group. Yeah. And when one of my daughters was sick with a cough and I was having trouble controlling with all your over-the-counter cough medications that are safe for young kids, uh, one of my colleagues in Brisbane, I don't know if you know her, Elaine, 
she's an animal wellness yep. in, in Brisbane. Yep. She's amazing. She's like a naturopath and a vet. So, and she's so done. Yeah, she's yeah, she's amazing. Uh, she told me to use this particular essential oil blend and to rub it into like the large intestine three acupuncture point. Oh and, wow! And all like she told me a few things. Uh, amazing, instantly stopped it. And so, oh my goodness, that really sparked an interest in essential oils. And the more you learn about them, the more fascinated you are. I think we all grow up remembering those really sort of awful lavender soaps at the $2 shop that just smell, smell horrific. <laughs> really artificial, and, yeah. Oh, those synthetic fragrance oils. And we just don't have a real understanding of aromatherapy and essential oils. And I grew up thinking it was all sort of woo-woo and just whatever. Um, but once you start to explore it, and I did, you know, I did a course in aromatherapy and essential oils and it just absolutely blew my mind the science behind it all it was it yeah. you know there's so much science behind essential oils and aromatherapy um you know it's it's pretty fascinating it's just a lot of it is french and german based and and we don't even have english translations for all the science uh but it's it's really there's a huge amount of literature in it which is pretty exciting yeah, I, I know of a few sort of French um, dermatology companies which do utilize quite a lot of essential oils. So that makes sense that that the you know the the main focus of research does sit over there. But it's a shame that we can't have Google Translate just translate everything for I us know, into English. I know. Well, do you know? Do you know the the famous story of Gat Fosse, the uh, French chemist? I think in nineteen twelve no. he he had this horrific chemical burn. And he dipped his, I'm probably butchering this story quite badly, but essentially (laughs) he dipped his hand in lavender essential oil and he just was so amazed at the power of this lavender essential oil to heal his burns that then he essentially dedicated the rest of his career to researching essential oils. It's a, oh, it's a pretty cool. I probably should have read the story a bit better before I just explained it. To no, you, it's, it's a, a good summary. <laughs> it's a pretty yeah. amazing story. And I think, yeah. um, you know, in Australia, we still have some pretty unique essential oils here. Like we have our own beautiful uh, yeah, we like do. I use a lot of the Tasmanian essential, Tasmanian lavender essential oil. It's beautiful. We've got our own um, special types of tea tree and that kunzia. And yeah, it's, we're, we're pretty lucky here as well. We just, yeah, as uh, with everything, need to back it with a bit of science, don't we? Yeah, well, that's right. And it's just trying to find that balance between, you know, the, the anecdotal clinical experience that uh, that you're obviously seeing in combination with traditional evidence and also some evidence that's been published in journals and to sort of satisfy everyone's need for that, um, that you know, that confirmation. And that's Absolutely. The, the difficult thing is that we, you know, we often um, find that particularly with our companion animals that it's just really hard to find that concrete literature. So we do tend to try and lean on human papers and, and your experience using things in clinic. It, and it's, that's really true, especially uh, the, the challenging thing. So I guess with it, especially with essential oils, because you're looking at emotional, psychological response and then your physiological responses. The physiological mm-hmm. ones, are, I think, are a bit more logical, but to to translate the human evidence of the psychological responses is a bit more Mm. of a stretch, isn't it? Because we don't necessarily understand um, with pets that, their yeah. their emotional response to something like their their concept of memory and things yeah. like that do we, like it's that's very quite hard, hard to, measure. to study yeah um, definitely but there's some still some really cute anecdotes like I, I remember reading once that um they do think there is the limbic system is quite advanced even though it's quite uh, you know the limbic system is one of the oldest parts of the brain but it, it does have a good relationship with memory in dogs as well like I remember reading a um someone sprayed an owner's perfume like an owner had passed away on this dog and obviously perfumes are synthetic fragrant oil so it wouldn't have had a physiological effect but the aroma um, really changed the dog and it behaved sort of in a way that it did something with the owner that passed away. I can't, again, I can't, I'm butchering another story for you, but essentially <laughs> it was this really cute anecdote that 
the, um, you know, this synthetic fragrance. So it was still an aroma had gone through the brain, been processed, and and the animal exhibited a behavioural response based on this synthetic fragrance. So I guess it does. That is like a little anecdote that proves that there is some sort of form of memory in animals. So it'd be exciting when we can get more and more research in that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, maybe you'll have to pioneer it. (laughs) I know. Well, I'd love, gosh, I'd love to do that with our. Um, I mean, I have lots of anecdotes and um, I did, you know, a fair bit of research with our own range of essential oils for for stress, but to get it to that next level where you're um, claiming therapeutic value and through the APVMA is a, is a whole different kettle of fish, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. And so just on that, um, you do have your own business called Shy Tiger Natural Animal, which um, utilises essential oils in different formats. So Mm. tell us a bit more about that and what are the formats that you have and how how do you recommend using them as part of your treatment plans for different cases that you see? Yeah, so we started, um, I started Shy Tiger last, uh, 2020, so last year, um, and the the main driver behind it was obviously my interest in natural therapies, but a lot of it was because I was having a lot of conversation with clients in clinic and as a, you know, as a science-based small animal practitioner, it's really hard to recommend clients use a product unless it is registered or you really understand what's in it. So Mm. my clients were desperately wanting something to help, but they didn't want necessarily synthetic chemicals or or say like the, the pets may feel stressed, but maybe they didn't have clinical anxiety. So they didn't want to start the animal on medication, but they wanted to have something to help. So, uh, and I knew the powers of essential oils. So that was my main drive to start Shy Tiger was to develop stress sprays and serums for pets to help with stress-related with separation, thunderstorms, mm-hmm. all that sort of yeah. stuff. So uh, it took it. There was a lot of research involved in it. Our, our range is based on a beautiful, this pure Tasmanian lavender essential oil, and then I use different, use different other complementary oils based on what we're trying to achieve. So we've got like a day blend that's got ylang-ylang in it because it's really renowned mm. for balancing emotions. So yeah. your dogs that get a bit hyperactive, a bit ADHD, all those yeah. dogs that sort of leap from calm to that kind of fight or flight mode in about two seconds. Yeah, uh, yeah. It seems to be really helpful for that. And then it's got other beautiful oils like Australian sandalwood. Our night range has your, your frankincense for your grounding, uh, Roman chamomile, which I'm sure you know. I, I absolutely love Roman mm-hmm. chamomile. So we just tweak the different blends. People really like using sprays. So uh, I spent quite a bit of time developing, as you know, oil and water don't mix. So to try and develop a spray yeah. is a challenge to get it to emulsify. But we've developed a spray uh, and people quite like being able to either spray the car before the animal gets in or spray their bed or spray yeah. their hands. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we – so that's top, obviously – you've got your inhalation there. So if you're spraying, it's going through the nose straight to the brain, the mm-hmm. limbic, limbic system. Uh, we also have the a serum base, so that's being massaged often on the tummy or along the back line. Uh, and so that's being – you will get a degree of inhalation there, so smelling it, but you'll also get that topical absorption. What I find – with the serum or that sort of the rubbing along the coat, that topical, it's a bit of a slow onset, but it lasts a bit longer. Whereas the sprays, because you're straight in there, it's pretty quick, um, but it also mm. doesn't last that long. So yeah. some people use a bit of both. Um, so we do, that's our kind of stress rate. We use essential oils mm-hmm. in that. And then we use essential oils in other products. I've got a really very dilute specific essential oils in our toothpaste even. Uh, ah. And that's really beautiful. I love, I love cardamom. It's beautiful. It's so good for breath and things. And that's been so popular. Um, the toothpaste because yeah. there's not many natural toothpaste out there. So for it's, pets, uh, yeah, that's really they usually beef flavored, right? <laughs> well, who, I know. Well, that was what I was really worried developing it. That would an animal take on a non-beef chicken mm. flavored toothpaste? But amazing. They all and it's it has lemon myrtle. 
cardamom, a bit of spearmint, oh and they tolerate it so well. So I tested it on myself, obviously, before the yeah, before the animals. I think it's, a, it's difficult with our range. It's sort of tested on humans for animals rather than the other way. Yeah, and then nice. um, And then we use it in, we've got solid shampoo bars, we've got balms, oh, and we wow. also use herbal extracts. So we've got quite a few things. Yeah. Uh, we've got a gut serum coming out. And then, yeah we've, yeah, we've got lots of lots of things in development. Um, but yeah, it sounds like the, it. The sort of versatility of essential oils is amazing. It's just knowing how to use them and probably more than anything, knowing how to actually know what a good quality essential oil is. I find that's one of the most confusing parts for lay people is to understand what the difference between a fragrance oil and an essential oil is, yes. what the difference between a sort of organic oil or the pure therapeutic grade oil because it's not, you can kind of almost write whatever you like on the bottle in a way, like it's not, yeah, it's not you get away with a fair bit of marketing in a bottle that it, it can be quite hard to understand, So, yeah. which is another reason we wanted to come out with our own range because we knew that we well, I knew I knew how to tell whether they're good quality, so I knew that I could provide pets with. I'm sorry, that's a dog in the background. I it's knew fine. I it's the provide. right podcast to have a dog barking. Yeah, on. <laughs> one, one second, sorry. Um, so I guess that was one of the, the driving forces, is because I knew how to determine the right quality and the right quantity. So I knew what, yeah. what concentrations of oils, because that's the other issue is is it's your quantity of oils as well, your concentration in the products. Because pets, you know, dogs do have such a huge, uh, their, their ability to smell is so much better than ours, isn't it? You know, 40 yeah. plus times better. Yeah. So if we're doing it to our own desire, the poor animals are overwhelmed. So yeah. Um, yeah, it can be hard if you're not experienced in essential oils to just to just sort of guess, I guess. But yeah. um, my whole desire is to empower pet owners through the education so that they can do some of it themselves. So, you know, teach them how to use a diffuser around pets so it's safe, things like that. Yeah. So that they, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm all about empowering pet owners to be, to advocate for their pet's health through the education. Yeah. I think that's something as vets that's really nice. we can do. I love that. Yeah, definitely. And I think people are asking for that more and more, particularly in the realm of integrative medicine as well. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, which is so important. So just going back a little bit, um, you mentioned that it's important to know the difference between all the different types of fragranced oils and essential oils. So can you just give us a quick overview of of how you would, if you were um, a pet parent listening and perhaps they did want to use something that they may already have at home or they may want to purchase something, um, how does one select the appropriate oil from yeah, the shops. Yeah, so I think the first thing you look for is on the bottle it should say pure therapeutic grade essential oil or okay. 100% pure essential oil. Yep. So you definitely want to make sure it's pure. The yep. next thing you'll see on a good quality oil is it will usually say like the species name, like for your, your tea tree to be the Melaleuca. Yep. Um, yep. For your frankincense, you'll see Boswellia, things like that. So you'll see yep. the species name on it. So they're like I guess the easiest two. The next one is to um, if you want to go to the next level, you should be able to get a batch number and it should undergo uh, what's called GCMS testing. There's a special type of testing. Most lay okay. people, I don't think, I don't know if it's a bit offensive to call someone a lay person, isn't it? I don't know. No, um, most fine. members of the public wouldn't probably go that far, but I think if I you're wouldn't have at, known that. Yeah. You wouldn't know that. Yeah, there you go. So uh, pure therapeutic grade, 100% pure, those sort of words. The species is what you're looking for. And one of the other giveaways is if you look at a range of essential oils and they're all the same price, run a mile. Yeah. Because there's such a variation in quality, yeah. in price of it. Like you you know, your lavender is never going to be the same price as your Roman chamomile or your frankincense. So, or, you know, and a lemon essential oil. So definitely look for, I guess, there should be a real spectrum in the the cost of of the cost of the oils. Um, That's a good tip. And yeah, I guess they're, they're probably your main ones. The, yeah. And uh, ideally, you pick organic. If you can find organic essential yeah. oils, 
you know, that's a really good place, especially for pets. I mean, you want the best, the best quality, really. Yeah, um, definitely. So, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, and so, probably the easiest ones. Yeah, I know that's really helpful and really clear. Um, something that's obviously of importance, whether we're utilising, you know, any plant material, um, herbal, herbal medicines, but of course essential oils, knowing just what the volume of plant is that's required to produce an essential oil. Mm. How, do you, how do you ensure that what you're choosing is coming from a sustainable source and is produced in a way to respect the, you know, the population of that plant, whether it's from the wild or whether it's been, you know, cultivated. How does one, do you just have to do background on the company and and how do you select that? Yeah, it's really hard because I think like, for example, you know, eucalyptus, I think you're about 20 odd kilos for, for 20 kilos of eucalyptus for almost half a kilo of essential oil and and you go that up to rose which is about 900 kilograms yeah, for half a kilo like it it goes in extremes doesn't it yeah, so yeah um absolutely and i think with the rise of popularity of essential oils in the human realm it's becoming even more and more relevant yeah. isn't it, to make sure that yeah. we're picking sustainable sources and and that's i guess another reason i'm I'm passionate about not using too much of the oil. Like we actually don't need much yeah. with the animals. So you don't need to just start pouring oils away. Um, use them sparingly and we don't need to use them every day most of the time either. So I think just before you just use the oil or put your diffuser on, like just have a little think about it. Um, the uh, It's really hard with the companies. I guess I can tell because I look at the background behind the companies if you most of them on their websites they'll actually have a good story behind them and how they source the oil so I think you have to actually contact the company and do a bit of research but I'm definitely I definitely think it's really important to not just buy off anyone yeah I agree and it's really hard when you might be in a health food store or somewhere and you're faced with all these brands to just choose off the shelf. I think it's worth doing your own background research um, or buying from from someone such as yourself who's obviously already done the background research because I know that it's, um, like you said, with the increased use in, I I mean, I use them myself in, I I make my own cleaning products and I definitely use essential Mm. oils in there and, and I'm, you know, I'm really conscious now when I use them whether, A, whether it's necessary, is it really just... Is it adding any benefit to this? Could I just get away with the vinegar and water? Or And also, yeah, like you said, just being sure that when you're actually purchasing something, if you are wanting to use it for something in your home or on yourself or on your pets, then you know what you're buying and you you are sort of doing that background research, which I know everyone doesn't have the time to do these days, but it is important to... It is, that. isn't it? And I think yeah. there's some some types of oils uh, of more concern than other, like than others. So I know, obviously, there was the oh, what era was the Australian sandalwood era when everyone was like investing in Australian sandalwood or something. It was a while back, but yeah. and then you've got the Boswellia massive issues with the cultivation yeah. of that. So some other countries uh, have been exploited for their essential oils, haven't they? So yeah, uh, well, and other herbal products too. Um, slippery elms one which is threatened and there's lots which yeah. are there's um yeah I know that there's, there's some good online resources to look at sort of just the, the plant themselves and what the status yeah, is. Yeah the one I've been looking at lately uh, and I don't have a lot of information around it, is the the trend of bee pollen. I don't know there's a bit of controversy yeah. around that at the moment too and I actually don't know what the answer is how ethical at all is so I'm curious if anyone can tell me the, yeah. the, the background to it whether it's um you know, something we should be encouraging or not because there's a lot of obviously health benefits behind it but we need to look after our beautiful beings, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. And I think just in August there was a study published looking at the benefits of bee products for um, COVID symptoms, so yeah, okay. <laughs> including bee pollen so, and manukani. Oh, so get another yeah. right sold out again, will it? Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. It's um, it's really important to to really think through um, all of these aspects when you're purchasing anything that's coming from nature to make sure that definitely respecting definitely. nature as well. I know. Um, so let's talk about some concerns and some risks around using essential oils. Um, I know in particular cats are very sensitive to certain essential oils and there is um, obviously there is 
also a risk, you know, with people as well, with anyone with having um, sort of an overdose of an essential oil. So what would be your your sort of list of, um, of of tips to make sure that people aren't overdoing it and they're using essential oils safely, they're going to? Yeah, so I think the first thing to understand is in some ways what an essential oil actually is, isn't it? So it's it's a chemical compound, isn't it? It's a natural chemical compound. Yeah. It's, it's the yeah, it's aromatic of the part plant. of the plant. It's, a, yeah. it's part of the secondary plant metabolism. So each essential oil has a different chemical structure to it Um, and it's the differences in these structures that create the variation risk for pets so there's a um, there's a constituent called a phenol uh, which is Mm -hmm. I guess one of the and and ketones and they're probably two more dangerous groups that we have to be a lot more careful Uh, luckily they're not the most prevalent in all essential oils so, uh, yeah, but the ones where they're quite high are the ones we have to be a bit more careful on. So I, I guess classically your, your hot oils like your oregano and thyme and things yeah. tend to be a bit more careful because they tend to be a bit higher in these. Uh, yeah. And then there's some that are really no-go zones like pennyroyal and stuff which are just really high in it. Um, yeah. But as I said, they're, they're at least not the, the main ones. The main ones that we deal with are called the monoterpene so you've got the monoterpene alcohols and hydrocarbons so uh we the alcohols monoterpene alcohols they're not really irritating to the kidneys or anything so when uh, essential oil is high in that we're okay um the hydrocarbon element a little bit more of a concern so they're a lot of your citrus oils so we worry about them a bit with cats not so much dogs cats because they've got that different liver metabolism pathway so they've got that you know the cytochrome p450 issue um so they tend to metabolize in general this is quite a sweeping generalization but they tend to metabolize essential oils more slowly than dogs so if i'm going to use an essential oil around a cat uh if the cat's not in my care I tend to be a bit stricter about which oils I do use and I tend to be stricter on the concentration and and the the frequency. frequency. So frequency I think is really important. So if I'm going to use an essential oil on a cat, I'll probably only do it every two to three days rather than every day unless I'm actually monitoring the cat. Yeah, that's really good tip. Yeah, and and I mean it's just about using a bit of common sense as well. Like if you – so if I'm using an essential oil, I'll – I only do it like if I'm introducing it. I'll just do it for like 20 minutes and stop, and then watch the animal. So, so just you know, if, your, if you're diffusing, and, you mean? Yeah, diffusing or, or even yep. if you. Oh, yeah, and so your example, I guess your your training to that is if you apply it topically, yep. then you just do one dose and then watch the animal. Are they yeah. like licking their lips? Are they drooling? Do they look yep. uncomfortable? Yep. Don't just sort of put it on and walk away and get ready for your next dose the next time. Like you just got to. We, we need to sort of pay attention to their response. So, yeah, in general with cats, with the diffusing of the oils, I tend to steer clear of tea tree, um, mm-hmm. your cinnamons, oregano's, thyme, peppermint. So all these oils that are high in your phenols and your, mm-hmm. your ketones. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not as worried when I'm diffusing citrus oils around cats because it's diffused and it's very dilute, but I'll still only mm-hmm. do it for, you know, a short period of time often on the intermittent setting on a diffuser and I never really diffuse around pets for more than two hours at a time. That's a pretty standard yeah. rule of mine. I'll make okay. sure there's a door open and only yep. do two hours. Yeah, because so, some people just use a diffuser all day and then it well, might run waste, out of water. And, you just don't need yeah. to. Like, yeah. You can't even, as a human, you're, you're sort of, you get quite saturated with it. You can't even smell it yourself. So. Yeah, that's right, until you walk that's out of the house and then you come back in. And, yeah. yeah, two hours is yeah. enough. So, yeah, yeah. cats, I avoid those hot oils. Um, and then other things I, I look out for is if dogs have underlying conditions, there's a few oils I look out for avoiding, um, you know, some other classic ones. If an animal's on anti-seizure medication, I'll steer clear of rosemary. Uh, some okay. of the other oils like fennel, um, pregnancy, I'll, I'll steer clear of a few oils like even basil, rosemary again, yeah. Uh, yeah. and diabetes. It gets, some of the oils have got reported effects on sugar metabolism. Right. So I'll steer clear of a few oils with, with that yeah. as well. So Just play it really um, safe. oregano, marjoram, dill, a few oils like that. But that's quite hard. 
unless you've done a bit of research, it's quite hard to know which I was just yeah. aware of, isn't it? Yeah, I should, I should have a little list of what to do. <laughs> Yeah, you should. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's, I think, um, I think you're right. And it's really nice to hear that, you know, what one of your sort of main purposes is to empower people to, you know, feel confident and to use essential oils safely themselves. But this is, you know, it is a risky business because you can definitely cause issues if you're not using them properly. So I think having a list like that and, and just making sure that we've got that, you know, correct information available to people is really important. Absolutely, but gosh, I'd much rather them have an essential oil than have one of those plug-in fragrance, you know, oh, things know. in the PowerPoint in their phthalates. home, or, or, or worse, burning a candle. You know, I'd much know. rather at least a something pure and natural that's definitely not, um, yeah yeah so yeah. people are so scared of essential oils a lot of the time but there's much worse things going on in their home I than know, the essential oils I know I know and I hate to think of all those years when I was a sort of a teenager burning candles and, and or the all incense, of those hor- the, the good old incense. Or, yeah, <laughs> hormone disrupting chemicals that I was flooding my body with <laughs> Oh, that all of we, it though, isn't yeah, it? It's all, even in your hair products and your makeup and, it, gosh, the list goes on, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. It can be overwhelming, I think, um, if you take the approach of just when you run out of something, just make sure you're buying something better the next time, then it can be less oh, overwhelming. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I, and I'm a huge believer that I'd rather uh, everyone do something imperfectly you know like just do something yeah. rather than not many people doing Having it perfectly perfect. I'm yeah. definitely progress not perfection with this if you just change Absolutely. one one thing and and I you know my, the majority of my clients still in clinic are, are pretty conventional like most of them will still feed a bag of dry food and they'll still yeah use I'll still dispense antibiotics and I still dispense steroids yeah. and it's not it's not about in my in my practice it's not about being 100% one way or the other I, yeah. I genuinely believe in the true concept of complementary so yeah it's integrative again, medicine in, yeah yeah really empowering the owners with education so yeah they can advocate for their pet what's going to suit them and their family you know a three-year-old cavoodle is going to have different expectations on the family if they're a young family with kids if they're an older couple if they're passionate about natural health if they're working 14 hours days and they just want a bag of dry food it just there's not one size fits all we just need to be so individualized I think now and I love that team approach with them yeah and that's um that comes back to you know one of those sort of founding six naturopathic principles of doctor as teacher and how wonderful that principle is I love it it's so important to just be able to empower someone with the education and support them to make a decision Absolutely. themselves and and to learn themselves and to be a real you know a really active participant in their healing and the healing of their pets and their family. I think it's so important and so empowering, which hopefully Absolutely. Um, is going to become more and more them, common. Like then they come back and you can see their, like when they're empowered, um, you can just yeah. see how much more they get the out confidence. of the whole experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've done their own reading and, yeah, and I, I love it. I, lo- I think it's you know, the best approach really, but I'm probably really biased. <laughs> yes, no, no, I'm, I'm on the same page, don't worry. Yeah, I know. Um, so I'm interested whether you ever use essential oils orally in any form. So, look, I, I probably shouldn't say I do because it's a bit controversial, isn't it? The only, <laughs> not a lot. I would absolutely say almost never. The only okay. essential oil I do use a little bit internally is, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Copaiba. I never, it's a terrible one to try and pronounce. Um, How do you spell it? C-O-P-A-I-B-A. No, I haven't no, heard of that one. It's an amazing essential oil. So it okay. works um, on the endocannabinoid system. Similar, right, like yep, it, okay. It's got some really nice complementary work uh, with CBD oil. It's going to be quite yeah. synergistic. So yeah, um, nice. Yeah, no, it's 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 the sort of anti-inflammatory of the essential oil world. So yeah. and it also really interestingly, if you're into um, chakras and things like that, it works on your mm. grounding chakra. And your, I think your okay. I don't know. I'm, I don't know everything about chakras, but it definitely works on. Yeah, it's very grounding. Works on the base chakra. Almost. Oh, that sounds really nice. So, I have to look it up. Yeah, it's a really interesting essential oil, and it's really safe to use internally. So sometimes okay. I will use that 
Um, but do you dilute it? You, like, do you mix it with a carrier or what do you just put it Look, with the food and it sort of dilutes it enough? You should. So the best thing to do would be to put one, to, depending on the size of the dog, if you've got a really big dog over 20 kilos, probably two drops in one of those gel caps and top it up with uh, yep. um, a carrier oil. Yep. And then you um, just pop it in their food. Yep. But I've known lots of people over the years that have put one to two drops in, you know, some wet food and yep. never had any issues. And I, yeah, I've, okay. I've done it myself. Like for, I've taken it myself internally. Um, yeah, sure. Never had an issue with it. But no, I'm not. I don't, you know, they, I know there's a lot of humans out there that put lemon essential oil in their drinking water and things, and I've never done anything like that for pets. The other one that I know that is uh, amazing and has some great science behind it for internal use is actually frankincense. So I know we mm. mentioned it briefly earlier. Obviously, it has concerns with overuse and we don't want to yeah. overuse it, but the research on frankincense and cancer is amazing. So uh, yeah. we, there is a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people that use essential oils in practice will use it internally, but also it's really amazing. There's some research behind it used intravenously for cancer. Oh, really? So that's wow. really exciting where the future of uh, frankincense with cancer research, especially with, with our issues um, with, you know, using chemotherapy drugs and, and needing that, so synergistic effect with yeah. other complementary therapies. So that's really exciting. Uh, yeah. But they're the, they're, they're the sort of main ones I'd be comfortable with. Um, yeah, okay. You know, discussing yeah. with people for internal use. Yeah, for sure. And um, what about for using essential oils um, with multi-drug resistance? Yeah, that's, another that's area. so exciting. I think yeah. that's really exciting. So I've uh, had first-hand experience with a few ear cases and I will yeah. pick my clients that I'll discuss it with. But ears is really exciting because obviously uh, malassezia or yeast is a big, big one and sometimes some of the drugs that we need to use to kill off yeast can be quite strong. So yep. there is a lot of resistance issues and a lot of ear cases in pets are quite tough to treat. And I've actually, I, a lot of the time I don't even put the essential oils internally in the ear. I actually just place it on the outside of the ear, but that's amazing. Oh, so really? I've had lots of success using uh, tea tree, oregano, very dilute, uh, yep. frankincense, lavender, Lavender is such a beautiful, safe essential oil. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, it's hard to go too wrong with lavender and yeah. uh, you, lavender and Roman chamomile, uh, frankincense. Yeah, so gentle. They're such safe essential oils. They're really hard to go wrong. If people are really nervous about using essential oils but still really interested to do it, sometimes I'll talk to them about using hydrosols. So they're okay. your yep. buy. I don't know if you're familiar with hydrosols. Yeah, I sort of am, but not not overly. <laughs> oh, good. So they're great. I guess they're a really good option for cats, aren't they? So you don't have to stress too much about using hydrosols around cats and the frequency of it. So yep. they're a byproduct of essential oil production, but only the essential yep. oils that are pre- produced by steam distillation. Like there's obviously yeah. different ways you can get the essential oil out of the plant. Steam distillation, where basically they're but a really basic explanation is you're pushing steam through the plant and you're extracting yep. the oils. Yep. So then the water component of that, so essential oils are oil, the water component is your hydrosol, and that's really yeah, safe. Well, that's and nice. Gentle. Yeah, and it's nice to not just discard that and you know absolutely, the absolutely, plant and as it much still has really beautiful therapeutic benefits as well. Yeah. So that's quite good topically for even for stress. So for cats, you could use the, the hydrosol version of the oil that you're wanting to use, but also mm. for this multi-drug resistance, like you can, you could almost just literally use the spray, the hydrosol as a spray and spray it on a wound or something like that to yeah. clean it. So yeah, yeah okay. I think we're, nice. we're only just tapping into the benefits of hydrosols. It's a much yeah. sort of younger um, younger arm Not of the science, well it's uh, the essential oil, the aromatherapy world. So that's really exciting. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it so is. I, but I think there's a huge future for essential oils and multi-drug resistance. I think it's really, really exciting. Yeah, and so when you're using, um, you mentioned that you're using an oil just on the outside of the ear, but mm. diluted, are you diluting it with um, a carrier oil? And what's your preferred carrier oil that you use? Yeah, always diluting it with a carrier oil. I very, very rarely use an essential oil neat, partly because yeah. uh, of the 
you know, sustainability issue. It's just not necessary yeah. usually, yeah. Uh, but also it's just better tolerated. So my favourite of the carrier oils is definitely the fractionated yeah. coconut oil. So it's the liquid coconut oil and you can get that really readily from the health food aisle of the supermarket. You can even get organic fractionated coconut oil. It's easy to uh, put on the yeah. coat of the pets and it's really readily absorbed. Yeah. So it's a great one for everyone. I will uh, use even olive oil at a pinch. That's okay. Uh, sweet yeah. almond oil is probably my second favourite. Yeah, it's nice and neutral. Fractionated coconut. Yeah. Uh, they just yeah. seem to be absorbed really well by pet skin. So they're, yeah, and, okay. and they don't tend to stain. So yeah. that's where, what yeah. I like to use for the base of my products. So fractionated coconut oil, if you're just buying it off the shelf, is that different to cold-pressed virgin coconut oil? No, well, no, I don't all know all the ins and outs of coconut oil processing, but no, it's, all, it's essentially it's liquid coconut oil. Oh, it's so the it's liquid all, one, okay. Pro- yeah, so it's just liquid coconut oil um, and it's yep. also often called MCT oil, which is immediate yep. chain triglyc- triglyceride. So, yep. yeah, I'm just not 100% yep. sure whether taking out the short chain or the long chain to leave the no, medium chain. No, that's fine. Which, which chain makes it liquid? That's like, fine, as long as we know solid. which one to look for, that's fine. And then yeah. do you have – your um do you have your pet parents make up a a solution you know like one to ten or something at home in a vessel and that's just what they use and then you make your dose yeah, do you have like recipes exactly. that you give them yeah yeah exactly so the the clients that I use the use essential oils in clinic tend to be ones that are pretty savvy on essential oils and quite experienced with it so I need I I don't uh I don't prescribe my own blends in clinic at the moment because I still work in a very – the clinic we run is a very conventional clinic, so we don't have yeah. over-the-counter. So the clients that use it, uh, other than when they're buying my actual products, um, yeah. they just make it up themselves. I tend to stick to about a 1% dilution to yeah. 2%, so roughly four drops of essential oil in a tablespoon of a carrier oil. Yep. That's a pretty good rough guide. Uh, and yep. my preference is to use between three to five oils in a blend. I don't like okay. using a single oil in general. Uh, yeah. Usually you've got, I guess the general principle is that when you're using multiple oils, they do have synergistic effects and they do, yep. the, the essential oils have a, a beautiful energy about them that they're, they like to kind of balance the body. And so when you've got multiple oils working together, they you get a better effect of that. So and yeah, you've also nice. got less chance of side effects in general if yeah, you use multiple oils. Each so, one's sort of diluted. Yeah. 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 So total total four drops in a tablespoon. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this has been amazing. I, I love talking about this. I feel like we could talk all day, but I know that we're probably getting close to time now. So I just wanted to make sure that you feel like you've shared everything that you wanted to with um, with us and if there's anything else that you wanted to leave us with before we say goodbye. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. It's been really fun. Uh, I it guess there's, there's probably just two more things that I think uh, that I just would like to share. The first thing is that I think it's a really exciting time to be a vet and in the vet industry. And I know our industry has so many challenges at the moment, but I think the the movement of pet owners uh, becoming increasingly interested in maintaining good health and well-being in their pets is such a really rewarding time to be a vet. So I think yeah, that's you know, nice. I, to, I really I really love that about our industry now um, that they really want to they want their pets to live their best lives. So when I talk to them in the puppy consults about looking after their pets' teeth and getting them to chew for twenty minutes a day for their emotional health and their dental yeah. health, people yeah. care now, and I think that's really exciting. You know, ten years yeah. ago, you probably would have barely raised an eyelid if I yeah. said, "Oh, you know." worry about the teeth that it's a people more just weren't things, that yeah. focused so I think I just yeah. love that about the industry now um, that's so. really important I think that's really important um you, you for you know for retaining vets and also just for vets mental well-being yeah as well, just to have yeah them. I love yeah. it so and the other concept that I think is really important to talk about at the moment given what's happened in the last couple of years is just for people to be aware of the concept of emotional contagion with pets. So a a study came out this year that 
really proves what we all know is that our pets do really pick up on our emotions. And so when we're feeling anxious and stressed, our pets can genuinely pick up on that. And I think that is the beauty of essential oils as well, because when you diffuse an oil, the pet owner is getting the benefit and the pet is getting the benefit as well. So it's a really unique, amazing benefit of essential oils that not really no other holistic health or, or even synthetic health can can provide can it where we're yeah. looking after pet owners and and the pets yeah. themselves but I think it's important yeah. as pet owners or pet guardians to be aware of the environment we're creating for our pets and obviously we can't help if we're feeling anxious and we can't you know always help what we're feeling but just be aware of the impact that that has and it's actually vice versa I'm sure pet owners can Definitely. appreciate when their pets are carrying on that they they, um, sorry, I probably shouldn't say carry on. It's not when they're pets. <laughs> no, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it makes they adopt that as well. Too, yeah, so I think absolutely. it's something we need to explore more and just be really aware of and do what we can to help create calm. They, you know, even if it's as simple as getting a drop of lavender and putting it in a bit of your, your liquid coconut oil, fractional coconut oil, and just giving a little massage at night. It will calm you yeah. down and calm your pet down. And what a beautiful thing we can do for our pets. So, so yeah, important I think for that bond. Um, yeah. That's an important concept that I just love everyone to have a think about yeah. as well. Yeah, I love that. And it's a really wi- nice way to um, to finish. It's a really sort of positive note to finish on. So thank you. And thank you so much for giving up Well, we've been chatting for, I don't know, you and I were chatting for a while before we started recording. So we've been chatting for more than an hour now. So I'm really grateful um, for you for giving up your time. I know that you're really busy and um, I'm so excited to send this podcast episode out into the world when it goes live and for everyone to learn more about essential oils and to hear the work that you're doing down in Victoria. Oh, it's thank you work. so much. It's <laughs> wonderful. And thank you for everything you do for the natural health and the complementary oh, world of veterinary uh, okay. science. It's, it's really special and I hope oh, that, you know, all, more and more people get to listen and, and become more empowered with all the education that we're, you guys are providing so that they yeah. can really be their pets advocate for their best lives. Yeah, well, that's that's our purpose. So thank you for saying that, though. That's so kind and that's, um, that's made my day. <laughs> oh, so nice thank to you meet are. you, Nicole. You have a great thank afternoon you. and we'll speak to you again soon. You too. You too. Thanks, Bye-bye. Sarah. This was the Pure Animal Podcast and I'm Dr. Sarah Howard. If you enjoyed our chat today with Nicole about using essential oils in pets, then please feel free to jump onto iTunes and give us a rating and review.